Don't go breaking my heart. I couldn't if I tried. Hey, Elton. Hey, Kiki. Um, so this has been like a running. This is like for it didn't this click is a long for time. me until that scene in the movie today, and I was like, oh my god, that's our thing. Like for Evs, we've been singing that song together. Yeah. And so fitting that we saw that movie together today. Yes. Y'all, Rocket Man. Uh huh. <sighs> We'll get to that in a sec, but um, happy May, everyone. Happy May. Welcome to our time of the month. Hi, Josephine. Hi, Miss Wendy. How are you? I'm good. I'm fresh from the salon. Yeah, yes. I have some iced out curls yes. right now. You are serving mother of dragons. It's, <laughs> it's also a little steel magnolias. <laughs> uh, like while I was in the chair, I kept thinking Malin. <laughs> it's a little like, Milan. It's a little Milan, um, but it's gonna settle. It will settle. Yeah, it'll be fine. I'm it'll happy sell. with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased. Um, so yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. We have a monster of a month. To I talk know. About. Has this 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 month was a long one. It was the longest May in the world. Yeah. It was May seventy fifth yesterday. Yeah, it was. It was May. It was. May 511. It was was insane. Like we came back from Memorial Day weekend and there was still another week of May. Oh my God. It was forever long. Yeah. But today is June 1. Yes. It is my mother's 70th birthday. Oh, well, happy. Happy birthday, Lorraine. Happy birthday, Lorraine. She'll never listen to this, so it's okay. (laughs) She should just listen up until this point and then be done with it. And And you can turn it off now, Mom. Thanks, Lorraine. Bye. Um, Anyway, so we are recapping our May, and it was quite a busy one. Yes, it was. So much art. An overwhelming amount of art. Yes. In the May. Do you want to talk about it? Well, let's let's go. Let's go. Let's Should go we run it. down the list? Should we whoopee? Do it. Do it, girl. All right. We're gonna bring you uh, notes on fashion <laughs> from the Met Gala. Uh, the theme was camp notes on fashion. So yes. we're excited to break down the looks for you. Um, we are going to talk about our field trip to Los Angeles and kicking off our special episodes, which was so much fun. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> we're going to, you know, in, in lieu of a uh, dancing with the stars, which we have been mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so fondly missing, we've discovered Master Chef Celebrity Family Showdown. Yeah. <laughs> with some tacky celebrity Because that's what we showdowns. do. And we, like, but some of our favorites have been featured on there. So we're gonna talk about that for a sec. Um, we have to cover the finales of both Drag Race and Fosse. Mm-hmm. Are we tired yet? Oh my um, god, this is a lot. It's so much. We're We've been c- talking about Drag Race and Fosse for a while too, it seems. We've been talking about Drag Race for several months. Yes. This season has been on for several months. Um, we're going to talk about Booksmart, mm-hmm. um, which I saw. And we're going to talk about your trip to our nation's capital. Yes. yes. Washington, D.C. And then also, y'all, Netflix had a motherfucker month. Yes, Netflix pumped it out. Netflix was like, let's drop bombs on you all. Let, let's give you everything in one month, children. And so Joe and I kind of had an even split of seeing a lot of these things. And so we're going to talk about them We'll do like in a turn. We'll do a point counterpoint. It'll we be will a, like a she said she said. It'll kind be of in, thing. in repertoire. It will. It'll be like we're thinking our periods. Yes. How exciting! <laughs> I do love a good synced cycle. <laughs> 
I mean, isn't that what we're doing here, really? We are. I mean, <laughs> come on. This is that's right. This is our time of <laughs> the month. This is our time of the month. So <laughs> what? See, now we get that pun, right? Um, someone okay. somewhere, someone is like, oh, oh I've, that has happened a couple of times in my presence. People have been like. Oh, I just got that. Yes, yeah. it's men. Yeah. It's menses. Yep, it's a play on menstrual bleeding. Yes, yep, it's fine. Period. Okay. End of sentence. Correct. <laughs> Artists were spotting. Get it? Get, Get it. it? Get spotting? it? Spotting. Done. Good. <laughs> Moving on. Let's talk about the Met Gala. Oh goodness. Um, the theme this year was camp. camp. Notes on fashion. Yes. Thank you, Miss Wintour, for the first Monday in May. Thank you. Thank you, Anna. Thank you, Mother Anna. Um, I have to talk first and foremost about the absence of Madonna. Ooh. Because we talked about this last year in May's episode and the fact that the Met Gala is precisely Madonna's event, right? Yeah. It is exactly where Madonna fits in because she's that kind of fucked and crazy all the time, Mm -hmm. which is amazing. Um. And she was nowhere on that pink carpet, which kind of left me wanting. Yeah. Is is there is there a reason? Well, you know, she is in Medellin, so you know. I she, don't know, but like she woke up in her seventeenth year. Back to your roots for the Met That's Gala, true. girl. Yeah. I know you're trying to save Africa and everything, but like Yes, one child at a time. One child at a time, but come back. <laughs> To wear some crazy shit. Yes. This was, the, it, there was every year, like yes. last year, I mean, with it was the Roman, like Catholicism, uh-huh. right? And this year is, I was like, wow, they're really just like. I know. You know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. And I feel like, I, I love me a Lady Gaga, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but a Madonna, she is not. That's true. That's very true. She's not. There I said it. Yeah. Queens, come fight me. Mm. Whatever. Oh, God, the gay mafia is coming after you. Well, I said, I mean, <laughs> respect for both of them. Yeah. They are art- different artists in their own right. right? There it is. So. Exactly. So right away, that was like the big thing missing for me. What um, What were your thoughts on the Met Gala? Um, I thought well, what I loved was that like no one, how many varied definitions of camp there were. People really didn't get it. Yeah. <laughs> And it was, and then like, and then the Twitter backlash of like, what is and is not camp was great. Cause yes. it was just like, you know, this is camp. This is camp. This is not camp. This is an example of camp. Yeah. A campfire is not. And yeah. 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 So I, I loved just the whole conversation and, you know, as someone who, it, camp is one of those things, at least for me, where it's like, I understand it when it's happening and when mm-hmm. I'm experiencing it, but it's not necessarily anything that you can explain. I feel like the definition of camp is very muddled. Yeah. And very, like, it spans quite a lot. But that's its, but that's the point, And that right? is the point. That's totally exactly. the point. Um, my favorite piece of that conversation was Celine. Uh. Great, great reverence for oh, Mother Celine here. Mother Celine. Um, but she was like, I don't know what camp is. And she just didn't know. But she had a piece created for her that was like in tribute to one of the Ziegfeld girls from mm-hmm. Funny Girl and, and uh, Judy Garland. And like, it was phenomenal. And that within itself was camp. It yeah, was beautiful. Yeah, the fact that you also have no idea, the fact that you showed up to an event about camp and don't know camp is camp. Yeah. <laughs> Like that in and of itself. Which is so insanely bizarre and Celine Dion to begin yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. And God love her. She's an alien. Trevor Noah her. showed up in a t-shirt. Like, I, Right? <laughs> 
yes. it's like the perfect event for crazy people. Yeah. To put them on a red carpet and make them look cute and like they fit in. Yeah, and I, I love it. But it's like you, if you're like a man, right? So if you're like a male identified person mm-hmm. and you show up to the Met Gala and it's you're in a suit like like Jared Leto with yes. a head in his hands. Well, see that was fine though yes, because I that know. we expect that from Jared. But mm-hmm. like when you're when you're just someone like when you're like Sean Mendes, when you're just like Nick Jonas, yeah, and Nick yeah. Jonas and like a Sean like a Sean Mendes who like he he put like gold in his hair and he had like a nice jacket. That's on. not camp. It was still a suit. That is not camp. No, do your homework. Also, you're twelve. Go home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, the gays are going to come after you for that one, too. Come fight me. We've already established this. I'm scrappy. Yes. I'll come at you, you with those Long Island. You was scrappy yes. and hungry, girl. Anyway. Oh, my um, God. What were your favorite looks? Well, we do we have to start with, um, you know, Mother Billy Porter? Mother Porter, yes, we do. Um, we do. Talk about winning. I talk mean, about winning every fashion red carpet this year, right? Like every public appearance, he just nails it. Yeah. And what I love about him is that he's constantly discovering new facets of his identity. And he's constantly just kind of peeling away layers and showing us new things about who he is. And it's like he's discovering himself too. Yeah. And letting us in on that process. And I love that, especially in this year of identity and ownership and representation and um, and everybody resisting and kind of reclaiming themselves. And he's just unapologetically himself. Oh, absolutely. And it's the biggest middle finger to everybody who ever told him no. And I'm here for it every step of the way. Yeah, absolutely. So bitch showed up on that carpet in like a gold lame phoenix covered in in sequins and, and gold leaf and oh god like with a with a little like with this like six man's six men's is carrying yes, him carry this, me in yes and it's egyptian mm-hmm. sedan like it was just beautiful yes. it yeah. was a it was a moment mm-hmm. yeah, yeah billy porter is uh <laughs> billy porter's on track to win 2019 uh, to be quite honest. Yeah, definitely. And we will be doing our year in review episode again in yes, December. You better I get ready. I feel like Billy Porter might show up on a few of those. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So oh, season two coming soon. <laughs> there it is at the close of season two. Um, so Billy Porter, obviously, for me, Celine was a moment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because the second she was on that carpet, A, she is like unafraid to kind of show her age. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In that she's definitely starting to show her age. You know, she's still fit as fuck, but her face is like old. Well, and she is older, but the second she stepped onto that carpet, she looked regal and beautiful. Her costume was immediately identifiable and stunning, like perfection. She has a lot of, uh, there's a lot of wisdom, and there's, but there's also just a lot of life, a lot of youth. Uh, and she, so much crazy. She had her, she did her, um, she, she did her carpool karaoke. The best. Oh, the best. Just. <laughs> it's like almost uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. It's that crazy. And that alone makes it the best. I yeah, love it. Yeah, Absolutely. The best. Who else did you love on the carpet? Um, I did love me some Ezra Miller because yes. Ezra Miller, I think, is where 
I think I think Ezra Ezra Miller expressing himself now uh, is the way I feel like Billy Porter should have been years ago. Mm-hmm. Like you know Ezra Miller being you know the fl- famously the Flash in the uh, in the um, in the in the, the DC comic movies, mm-hmm. but you have him and he's just like showing up and you know he he's one of those people where it's like yes this is what we expect from you you're going to actually pay attention and mm-hmm. come here looking like you know a spider literal spider woman mm-hmm. um, Janelle Monae I'm sorry I need to go back to Ezra oh, because the eyes yeah the eyes yeah how many eyes were on his face. I think there were six or eight. I don't, whatever there were it was. A lot. There was, you know, there was more than two. That's and it sure. was stunning. Yeah. It wasn't just let me glue some googly eyed shit on my face and call it a day. It was flawless face painting. Yeah. It was beautiful. That was art. They, they blended in like with his actual eyes. And, it was. Yeah. It was an illusion. It was beautiful. Oh yeah. It was. Loved a, it. It was a delusion. It was. It was. Uh, Janelle Monet. Yes. Yes, and that Siriano gown and mm-hmm. with the with the blinking. That's right, with the eyeball that blinks. Her little titty blinking. And Straight up. We love a good titty blink. Um, um who did the the half man, half woman? Oh, uh, Michael Yuri. Yes. His gender fuck, like, you know, half man, half woman, Michael Yuri. Uh Jordan Roth with his like theater like it was he opened up his outfit mm-hmm. and it was a th- it was a theater yes. um casey musgraves uh was really <laughs> what did she really, wear she wore this pink gown and a, like a blonde wig but she was barbie she was a barbie doll oh which, that's cute which i was like ah uh, we, yes. we get it we get it we get we it we get it we get it we're here for it we get it mm-hmm. i was not all there for gaga yeah. again mm-hmm. sorry queens come fight me but it wasn't just, as much it, of a moment. It was just a lot of like reveal, 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 but it wasn't, it was more about her performance yeah. of an entrance on the carpet than it was about a statement piece yeah. of costume. Yeah. Um, I don't know. There was also a little nod there to Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend and Material Girl and, you know, there was a lot of like that hot pink and... And I think yeah. she entered before Billy Porter, so like no one was talking about her after. Exactly. Yeah. Billy Porter was like, hold my beer. Watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it was amazing. We got a lot of queens in gold this year. We got Glenn Close. We got Billy mm-hmm. Porter. Yeah. This is a good year for that. This was a big year for gold and hot pink. Yeah. <laughs> yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm here for all of these things. Mm-hmm. All of it. It was wonderful. What would you have worn? What was to your the- camp... What's your camp look, your camp interpretation? When I think of camp, mm-hmm. I think of that Manila Luzon costume, the bird, the yellow feathered yes. bird. MacArthur that, Park lip sync. That was Manila, right? Yeah. There was the MacArthur Park lip sync with the big black hair and, you know, the big bird outfit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's her. That was, you know, I, it's a play on that. I don't know. I'd be something... Glamorous, but like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'd come up with something. That's a that's a tough question to put me on the spot for, Josephine. Uh, well, you know, I, I. What would you wear? So there. What would you wear? Um, what would I wear? At the moment, the first See, it's thing. It's hard, came, isn't it? The uh. first thing I came to mind was uh, Tracy Turnblad. Uh, 
Because <laughs> when I think camp, I think John Waters. Like yes. I think the father of filth. I, I think the Pope of filth. I think John Waters and mm-hmm. his interpretation of camp. So I probably would do something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Maybe like male Tracy Turnblad, male Divine from Plink Flamingos, mm-hmm. male female Trouble, something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. Respect. I get it. Yeah. But I, I would like to see you in like a big feathery. You know. You it, could just come as it big It could bird. just happen on a Tuesday. Like yeah. I could just do that. I'll just cover myself in feathers. Watch out. You could. I could. I could and I will. Don't don't even tempt me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, it was fun. It was a fun theme this year. I'm excited to. We'll see what happens next year. We'll see. Because I mean, how can you top? Uh, we'll how can you top? Uh, right. uh, you know, the Catholic Church, like you know, Lena Lena Waithe coming down. Oh God, right. Oh, but Lena Waithe this year, mm-hmm. black drag queens invented camp, and then yes. like the names of everybody yes. in pinstripes, like yes, looking too legit to quit. Like it was that was a look. It was a look, and it was political, and it was smart, and it was intentional. It was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. Let's end on that note yes. with Lena. Lena Wade. With Miss Lena. Thank you. Uh, can we talk about our trip to LA? Oh. Do you want to talk about your first experience with Les Mis? Les Mis. Les Miserables. Les Miserables. Um, yeah, that was, that was something. Well, first of all, we, if you haven't been keeping up, listeners, our sevens of listeners. Yes. Um, we have kind of added on to our monthly podcast and we decided that we wanted to feature individual artists and kind of do an artist spotlight monthly or every other month or so on and so forth and people who work in the industry. And um, our dear friend Nick decided to to come on and be guest number one and talk to us about... Yes, you know, guest he- number 24601, okay. Yes, and like headlining shows, uh, you know that are Broadway tours and, and what that was like. So it was a really, really cool experience there. We got to kind of then interview another friend of ours and that's coming up later this summer. But let's talk about your experience with them. Yeah. So, you know, for, for those that remember that interview, because you listen. And if you haven't listened, tune in. It's a really great, fun episode. And many, many thanks to Nick Cartel for doing that with yes, us. Yes, his his story of how he became Jean Valjean is is one for the books and it's just really it's really great. But um yeah, this this particular show is one that holds a special place in my heart, but I've never seen it. And I've always I always maintain that like I want to see it on a big stage. I want to see it on a big stage. Missed my chance on Broadway, but finally was able to make it to the tour. And it meant a lot more because we actually were able to, you know, I have now an even deeper connection to the program because, you know, of, of having that, being able to interview Nick and, but this, this show was, is a beast. Like this show is. So what were your thoughts on the show? They, they don't, I was like, wow, they could never make this show again. Like I, I, I'm very, it was just a monster as far as like the moving parts Mm -hmm. and, and you know, and I'm so familiar with the music, having listened to it for most of my life, and it was so it was so nice to get different things from the music that you don't get from like an anniversary concert where they're just sit standing and singing, mm-hmm. like to actually get the context of the music and how it plays into the physicality, um, 
there were cool things that like everyone in the background, the ensemble were doing. Yeah. They were these moments and the, like they had these stories that they were telling, but they didn't even know, like, like they're just in the, just in the background. And like, and I asked Nick later when we met him after the show, I was like, did, can you tell me about this and this? And he was like, yeah, like they have, like, these are all those different Mm -hmm. things that are going on there. Yeah. So it was just beautiful. And then, you know, of course, I cried like three times. And, mm-hmm. and like, I'm like, Wendy was there and she was like, at her, <laughs> like you know, <laughs> there was, yeah, that was great. After the show, um, our my friend Christine, who's Nick's wife, she turned to me and she goes, how did he do? <laughs> and I th- but I thought she was talking about her husband. I'm mm-hmm. like, he was amazing. Of course he was. She goes, no, I mean, Joe, how did Joe do? <laughs> I was like, Joe did well. He yeah. was crying. I'm like, he hasn't yeah. spoken much since the show's been over. So yeah, it, he's processing. I'm still kind of processing. Like May, May itself was just a big month to process yeah. stuff. But yeah, that was that. That's a show that's going to sit with me for a little bit. Good um, and So yeah, but thank you, thank you for, thank you for being there to you know. To, to, I'm so glad I got to, to be on. there, and I'm also like really glad that that we and this podcast that we had this experience like mm-hmm. with that show and with Nick, and um, it it felt like such a gift. It was great fun. So, so yay. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then stay tuned for you know all of these these bonus episodes we're going to be releasing throughout yeah. you know the rest of our months, like bi monthly and so on and so forth. So. There's more to say. There's we have more to say. Yeah. There's way more. Yeah? Yeah. Yes! It's coming. It's coming. Um, let's talk a little bit about the fact that, again, I'm pissed off that Dancing with the Stars hasn't been on in like a year. <laughs> <sighs> this better be a big freaking amazing Listen, when season. when they come back, they better fucking step their shit up because I... You know that we're going to have, like, it's going to be mentioned the moment we know the cast. I feel like Dancing with the Stars is the kind of thing that I didn't realize I loved until I realized I missed it. (laughs) Yeah. I'm missing it. I'm like, why don't I have anything to make fun of? Where's... Why is nothing making me cringe right now? Where is there an absence of (laughs) glitter sports? Where are my glitter sports? Where do I immediately start crying the second they start dancing? There's a cha-cha-cha and I start weeping. Where is that? Anyway, yeah. it's been absent for a while. And in lieu of that, I texted Joe and I said, are you aware of a show called MasterChef Celebrity Family Showdown? <laughs> he did not know. No. I, I was like, I know MasterChef, Gordon, uh, Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay. Um, but great I had reality no television. Great like really reality great television. reality television. But here is why this caught my eyeball. Tara Lipinski, the Johnny Weir. Yes. Um, I'm sorry. We're going to watch that shit. It's like Tara Lipinski versus mommy. Hell yes. Yeah. So Tara Lipinski and her straighty, straight, straight husband. Yes. Todd Cap. <laughs> uh-huh. Versus Johnny Weir and his weirdo dude brother <laughs> who was a secret weapon because he like he was is like a, a chef yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally unfair um so the two of them like battle for like one dish like for charity so it was like a cool little like two episode thing whatever and it was all for charity and it was fun and stupid but i was like tara v johnny yes please yeah. mm-hmm. no doy i'm watching that and then the next week 
Donna Martin versus Kelly Taylor. What? Yeah. <laughs> Tori Spelling v. Jenny Garth. Yeah. And I was kind of here for, uh, yeah, I was definitely here for that. And their daughters, which who are similar in age. <laughs> and like the two of them battled each other. It was like... It was delightful because it's all for charity. Wait, but you're like totally blowing past like uh, Snooki and JWoww. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Snooki and JWoww versus Lisa Vanderpump. <laughs> Didn't she like have a dog with her too? Yes, she, she had did. like a dog, like a poodle in her arms. She had in the her kitchen. little Pomeranian like piece of crap. Yeah, and I was oh. like, ew. Ew, you're cooking food. Put your dog down. <laughs> it's like, uh. <laughs> That's, you can tell Gordon Ramsay's like, I do not want to eat this. Yeah, right? He's like, that's not hygienic. But I did love Snooki and Jay while they were like, oh, Italian. Yes. And then wasn't one of them pregnant? Yes, Snooki's pregnant. Snooki's pregs again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she was like, oh, I think it's veal. <laughs> she had the. <laughs> <laughs> they had to do like a blind taste test and then recreate that dish. And then, yeah, like, so all of the challenges were Yeah, they had were the different. harder challenge. Yeah, totally. <laughs> And then the next week, when it was Tori v. Jenny and their daughters, Mm -hmm. they each had to cook a dish from the other person's refrigerator. So, like, Tori Spelling had to cook something vegan from Jenny Garth's fridge. Mm -hmm. And Jenny Garth had to cook, like, a steak from Tori (laughs) Spelling's fridge. And so it was funny just because... It was funny, and you can tell that they genuinely love each other, but they were also competing and being assholes to each other. It was great. Yeah. It was great. It's like, it's. And it's, then there was like yeah. some boxer or something afterwards. It's like, it's <laughs> nice that you can like actually see, uh, you can actually see the chemistry that they have, even like, it doesn't look like that's not something that you can manufacture. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I mean, they go back like 30 years together. So, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then future forward because they they are getting their reboot soon. So they are without our Dylan McKay. I know. Rest in power, Luke. Yes. Rest in power. Um, we have to talk about some finales. Yes. There Which was one do you no want to do? Segue there. I'm sorry. I'm just like. Psh. Which one do you want to do first? Um. <laughs> well, let's just talk about Fosse because we knew it was coming to an end. We yeah. it was an eight week series. It finished beautifully. Yeah. I mean, they really, like, came full circle with charity. It was... It's just so poignant and so exciting. Yeah, it was a full circle moment. I am going to say something controversial. Oh. Here is my controversial statement. I am tired of seeing Lin-Manuel Miranda act. Full stop. I believe that he is a genius. We just lost all the goodwill. (laughs) Don't care. Don't care. I believe he's a genius. I love the work he's created. I love the stories he tells. An actor, he is not. And when he was on that screen as Roy Schneider, yeah, lost me. I was like, oh, there's that kitschy kitsch cameo. But also, like, was it a surprise, guys? Because he's an executive producer on this. So, like, we were expecting it, right? But <laughs> as Roy Schneider, are you fucking kidding me? And now I've had several conversations about that cameo with people who were like, you know, when it was the away shot, when it was, like, far, and we just saw him doing the movement with Nicole, like, it was kind of believable. But then when we got close up to it and he was, like, encouraging Bob Fosse to, like, go out into the audience and have his big moment, it was stupid. And I'm like, I just, 
No, I think the whole cameo was stupid. I think I'm done seeing him act. I think we as a culture are becoming like oversaturated with, with Lin Manuel. Yeah, and I I mean respect for his craft and respect for his place in the industry and everything he's done. And if ever he wanted to sit down with us and talk about his career, god damn it, yes. <laughs> Mad love and respect, but like homie, you're not a singer. You're not an actor. There it is. That's my controversial opinion, and Joe is choking. Yeah. He is choking on it. I. He is an actor. I just I, an actor that I'm tired of seeing. So what you're saying is, is that you're not going to watch Golden Compass on <laughs> his Dark Materials on HBO. No. Yeah, he's in an he's in an HBO series. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't care about that. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? Are you really that gagged? I'm gagged that I, I'm I'm gagged. Because you're basically saying what people are thinking. Um, it's just, you know. And this surprises you. And, Isn't no, this it, why we have this it, podcast, it, it, it though, too? Like, <laughs> it shouldn't surprise me. I'm just like, I don't know. It's just he, I I agree with you. I also haven't seen Mar- Mary Poppins yet, so. Nor have I, because I'm tired of seeing him. <laughs> so I don't want to see it. I, you know I what? think Emily Blunt is delightful, but I'm tired of Lynn Miranda, so. Okay, I, I I mean I I was like wow I didn't I didn't realize that was Lynn Miranda and then it was like oh yeah could have been a lot of people could have been a lot of other people it could have been a lot of people and the second I realized it was him I was like oh really I yeah. literally said that out loud I said really Lynn Miranda and then I was like wah, wah. no thanks and there it is yeah. controversial opinions by Wendy there it is. <laughs> There, I have nothing else to say. I'm just totally I, shrugging. I, uh, I, you know what? With so let's let's get back to the Fosse to the to the episode. I, that's what I have to say about the finale. Really, is that no more? It was beautiful. The yeah. whole series has been perfection. Mm-hmm. And again, I go back to the fact that like the things he chooses to create are yeah. smart yeah. and well researched and genius and wonderful and exciting to like be in. And to like, as an audience member, immerse yourself into it. The second I see, I saw him on screen, it took me out of it. So, you know, I really liked, I really liked the episode where he's juggling Lenny and um, Lenny in Chicago. I loved when, that. Yeah. Oh yeah, when he was like doing the stand-up routine, I was like, this is a brilliant way to kind of tell this and beautiful do this inter- internal monologue. Um, I loved everything. With- I loved uh, I loved like the the Cheetah Rivera like you know let her, let her have the song. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um and and yeah it was just I I thought it ended beautifully um his little tap dance when Patty died mm-hmm. was just like heartbreaking. Uh, heartbreaking, yeah. Heartbreaking. And then you know and then like I had to do I had to little do a little research of, uh, about Neil Simon because I was like wow he really was like that little group was just you know that's a big you know you have your tightest knit friends and you know you have Oscars and Tonys and you know mm-hmm. Pulitzers and everything all between you yeah yeah it was really great it was it really was and now and now every theater fag in the community is like <laughs> like mourning the loss of Fosse because it told such an important piece of our community and our mm. story and our, you know, I did appreciate the, I did appreciate when they talked about the, 
the Fosse the Fosse review that it was like Gwen Vernon was like I was like oh oh mm-hmm. like when like that whole thing mm-hmm. and then um, I also appreciate the little uh, postmortem we got about uh, um, Nicole mm-hmm. and like the Vermont stuff and all of that like it was nice to know that she kind of you yeah know, I I'm always a little mm, shoulder shruggy about. Um, like too much of a postscript, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, when they give us too much, like a great example of that is the movie Ray with Jamie okay. Foxx, yeah, uh-huh. right? Okay. Brilliant, beautiful movie. And then they had this dumb as fuck postscript on the, the credits. It was like, Ray stayed sober for the rest of his life. He kept his promise. Ding, the more you know. It was like so <laughs> cheesy, stupid, and uh-huh. it was such a dumb cap on like what would have been a beautiful movie to just leave it alone. Yeah. You know, I don't feel like that was a dumb way to end it, but I feel like they gave us so much information about Nicole that that could have merited another episode. Yeah. It would have been nice to see her like kind of deal with it or even within that finale episode, Mm -hmm. like fast forward a little bit to her, but if you're going to tell us that much about Nicole in wording typed out on a screen, then just keep telling the story. Or I kind of wanted her to like, I I was hoping they would have like showed her like putting flowers at one of their graves or whatever. And it's Mm -hmm. the real Nicole or something, Mm but Mm. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Let's move into our other finale. The series that finally came to a close after 17 months. (laughs) RuPaul's Drag Race. After 47 years. Season 29. (laughs) Oh, goodness. The finale. So, were we happy with it? I mean, we got... we, We had my... I predicted it, right? Didn't I predict... You had your. I did too. Yeah. I. I mean, we said early on. I said I liked Brooklyn. You didn't. True. Yes. Um. We both liked Evie up front. Mm-hmm. I told you I hated Silk. From oh, the get, I hated Silky f- Nutmeg Ganache from the first episode, and so I. Yeah, am you're glad right. You're right on that one. That she did. I saw early. the light late and late. I mean, obviously there are going to be spoilers here, but it's been a week. Yeah, you should. Spend a couple already. days. Watch it. Um, yeah, Silky Nutmeg Ganache in her final lip sync. Her only trick was wig reveals, and if that's all you have, and yeah. you pulled it all out in the first half of that song, and the only other thing you have is like flopping around on that stage, yeah. in some death drops that kind of just look like fish out of water flopping, yeah, then that's not it. You know, because meanwhile, she chose to be up against Brooklyn, who had a pull away point shoe. God damn it. She was like, oh, let me reveal these point shoes I've been secretly wearing. What? Dead. I died. I'm surprised she chose her to begin with. Well, I think she knew if she went up against Evie, she was going to kill it. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if she wanted to go up against Akira. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I would have been interested to see Brooklyn go up. Well, we did see Brooklyn go up against Evie. Yeah, at the end, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, either way. Great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we yeah. got the Vanjie Brooklyn, right? We got the... <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And then do are we thinking so I liked that Vanji had that moment with Rue on the stage. Yeah. I love that Nina West got her Miss Congeniality. Yes, her fan absolutely. Favorite. Loved that moment. And can we talk about her outfit mm-hmm. at the reunion? Her paper doll in the front with the white tabs and turn around to reveal a naked buttock. Here for it. I died. That's camp. Dead. That is camp. <laughs> that is camp. And no one does camp better than Nina West. Yeah. Like, she gets it. Yes. And who else did... So many drag queens do camp so beautifully. Yes. So many. She released a song uh, the week after her elimination called Drag is Magic. Of course it is. And it's for and it was for kill, for children. Drag, <laughs> drag is magic. Drag is magic, you. And it is for children. Oh, Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, long, Evie oddly, long may she reign for the next, you know, the year, year until, yeah. until we get. I mean, she won with her weirdness. Yeah, good for her. And, and good y- for her. And you know what? Good for her because, like, who knows how much longer she can do what it is that she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's owning her moment. Yeah. So, yeah. so awesome. good for her. Loved it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also love that we have a queen of color. Yes. Huzzah, huzzah. Um... So I saw mm-hmm. Booksmart. Okay. Olivia Wilde's uh, directorial, directorial debut. debut. And um, the straight lady BFF of Ben Platt, uh, Beanie Feldstein. I love Beanie Feldstein. I've been following her for a while. I saw her in her Broadway debut of Hello Dolly mm-hmm. with with the divine Miss M. Yes. Um, and so, like... The reason I really wanted to see this and the reason I really wanted to see it on opening weekend was because it is such um, like a power anthem for like nerd girls Uh who are weird. Yes. You know, like weird girls who then all of a sudden hit college and realize like, oh, I'm I'm sexual and oh, I can have a life and oh, I'm cool, you know. Um, but there is something so fun about the two of them and their friendship in that they're unapologetically weird and they own it. But realizing like, like the whole premise is that they worked really hard and did not have fun so that they could get into these great schools. And then they find out that all the cool kids got into the same great schools that they did. Mm-hmm. And so they're like, what the fuck? We just wasted four years. So now let's party. And like, it's this great grad night adventure movie. And I do love those. It's fun. It's like the can't hardly wait of 2019. You know what I mean? I do love a last night uh, before college end of the, yeah. That's exactly what it was. And so, but it was great because it was, uh, you know, two women who were not, you know, it wasn't a love story. It wasn't a, I need a man story. It was, it was just delightful to watch about girls like taking care of each other and being really great friends. And the soundtrack is fucking killer. The oh, soundtrack okay. is okay. bomb. So, okay. So check it out. It's a fun movie to watch. You'll Book see smart. it on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> oh, girl, I saw a lot on a plane. You'll see it on a plane. You'll see Booksmart on a plane, I'm sure. <laughs> the thing is, like, if the next plane I'm on, if Booksmart's on it, I'll probably watch it again. Mm-hmm. I'll watch it on a plane. I have, I do have the stuff I watched on a plane. Tell me what you saw on a plane <laughs> and where did you go? Oh, so, you know, good segue, Willie. Really? I know. Good I feel segue. like I'm trying to get better at my segues because sometimes I'm like, Dancing with the Stars, now Drag Race. Yes. Well, go. I went to go? our nation's capital, Washington District of Columbia. Uh-huh. 
and it was great. I had some. I had. A, I had a JetBlue credit, and I was like, "Let me do this. Let me get. Sure. Let me get away for Memorial Day weekend mm-hmm. and be in our nation's capital." Mm-hmm. And it was fun. Um, as far as what I watched on a plane, um, I got caught up in Fosse Verdon because I had those episodes piling up, and I because I for this trip, oh, so uh-huh. I was like, "So I'm just like, okay, I'm downloaded it all, watch that." Um, and then I did not sleep going back to back home, mm-hmm. so I watched Aquaman, mm-hmm. and then I watched. Uh, um, I watched Aquaman. I watched Skyfall. <laughs> I was God. like, let me pick two and a half hour movies to make that five hour flight <laughs> go by. I feel like every time I'm on a plane, I there's a ton of movies that I haven't seen. I could take advantage of seeing them, and I always wind up watching Crazy, crazy Rich Asians again. <laughs> Because you know it's there. Yeah, it's, it's great. there. Yeah. It's, I was like, they and they just had some, like, JetBlue had some really interesting things. They were like, like who, the woman next to me was watching The Favorite. And I'm like, <laughs> why? It's a really intimate movie to like, be watching on a plane. Like, why are you watching me? The Favorite on a plane? Yeah. Like, I don't think we need to be watching The Favorite. Well. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, I went to Washington, D.C. And it was great. I did, um... I, you know, you, you have been there. You gave me the nice little rundown of things to do. I only had three days. So, um, I walked around and I, um, of the, the things that I saw, I, I went to the National Portrait Gallery, which was really <sighs> fun. Um, I walked in and I was like, I said to the handsome man at the counter, I said, I must see the Obamas and Celia Cruz. <laughs> and then he's like, okay, well, you know, President Obama's on this floor and then Mrs. Obama's on this floor. And then Celia Cruz is over here. Were they here. on separate floors? They, weren't they were on separate floors. floors. They're in separate floors in the same side. So okay. they're like, like Barack is right on top of Michelle. Oh, okay. And then, but they're in the same wing. Got it. So, um, did that and like, it was, it was beautiful. And then like, the cool thing is, is that at least in the, in the part of the gallery where, uh, Michelle is located, there's all these other like figures. Like, you know, I took pictures of people who I was like, you know, why is your picture here? Like that was the other thing. Cool thing. It's like, mm-hmm. why is your likeness in this gallery? What is, what is it? What is the important thing that you did? And mm-hmm. so like just, Caddy corner uh, from Michelle Obama is Toni Morrison. Mm-hmm. This like life size Toni Morrison. And then you had Jonas Salk, Arthur Miller. You had uh, Norman Mineta, who was the Secretary of Transportation during 9/11, who closed U- U.S. Air uh, airspace, mm-hmm. and like he was a. Um, he and his family were interned. Were were they're in Japanese and they were interned, and then he ended up becoming like uh, a mayor, a congressman, and then secretary of transit. And I'm like, gee, like you know, he. Yeah. This was all the people that were in his in her room. Yeah, and also uh, uh, not, not for nothing, the Warhol Madonna, uh, the Warhol, uh, not Madonna, the Warhol um, Marilyn Monroe, and um, and then a poster for a Bette Midler show was all in her room. Solid and. Nice. So that was nice. And then I went to the portrait, uh, the presidential portraits. And, you know, I blew past all the white slave owners. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and I went to, um, I just went straight for um, Barack. And it was just gorgeous, mm-hmm. you know. It's just beautiful. And like to see a line of people just waiting for their chance. That's what I was going to ask you. Like, how long did it take you to get to see 
both of those portraits? Were there lines for both? There were not. It, it's so interesting because there wasn't like any formal line. Uh-huh. They did. Each one had their own guard next to them, uh-huh. but th- just to make sure no one's touching it. But like they, it was pretty easy to mm-hmm. like the, 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 the reason why Barack's line was longer was because people were actually trying to get like selfies and like, f- like formal pictures mm-hmm. with him. No one really did that in Michelle's room, mm-hmm. but there was also a little bit more space in his particular, um, in his particular uh, setup. But it's also like, you know, not for nothing, his portrait is also the most colorful of all yeah. of the, um, of all of the official portraits of the presidents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in his, in his room, like nearby him, was uh, James Weldon Johnson and, um, Cesar Chavez and Dolores Huerta. And you had, um, and then on one wall, it was Earl Warren, Eleanor Roosevelt and Thurgood Marshall, who are all three namesakes of colleges at UCSD. Yeah. And I thought that was just like, you know, brilliant. And that's awesome. So then after Portrait Gallery, went to Ford's Theater. Isn't uh, that so emotional? Yeah. I haven't been in D.C. Uh, since the Obamas left office. Mm-hmm. So I lived in D.C. for a summer. I've been back for conferences several times since. But um, I, I haven't been since the Obamas left office. And so... I'm excited to go under a new administration one day. Yeah, um, to see those portraits and to see hopefully the the African American Smithsonian and um, and all of that. So. Which the building is gorgeous. I know. I um, know. And it's just when like, I was there, yeah. it was being built. Oh yeah. So, yeah. You'll probably be able to get in <laughs> by well, the time that you go. One uh, day. One day. Went to Ford's isn't Theater. Ford's Theater is so emotional, isn't it? Yeah. It's yeah. a very emotional experience. Yeah, the the tour that you take, like the you know the little audio tour, the self guided tour, and then there was a moment where you, the our particular section, um, our group, we went up into the balcony, mm-hmm. and then there was a docent there, fielding questions about everything, and you see the box and mm-hmm. the president, you know, the portrait of George Washington to denote, and the little rocking chair that he sat in, and it's mm-hmm. just. It's like wow, like yeah, and everything that kind of definitely like feel the presence of history in that space, and then everything that kind of happened, like the thing that it represents, like for me, it's like the assassination of Lincoln and everything, like everything that happened after it. It's Mm -hmm. just like and what that put into motion for sure. But I love the museum below Fort's theater too that highlights, you know, his the gun that shot him, like all of. Like, that is there. Yeah. Did you go across the street, too? No, I didn't go across the street. Oh, you didn't? Okay. So, across I was the a, street is the house. I got caught in, like, some school groups. Uh, and I was, like, by the... <laughs> and I was, like, having these, like, emotional moments. And then there was just, like, a lot mm-hmm. of stuff going on around me. And they were also headed over there. And I was, like, I think mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah. Well, across the street is really also, like, a part of that Ford experience. Because that's where they took that's where Lincoln. He died. yeah across the street to the nearest house and they have on display like the bed that he was laid out. You can see his pillow. You can still see like blood stains on that pillow. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, yeah. And obviously it's all like encased and everything. It's very, very, very emotional. But yeah. Um, what else did you love about DC? Oh, uh, what did I love? Um, I think my favorite tours, you know, just to kind of, you know, is, was I took a congressional tour of the Kennedy Center, mm-hmm. which was great, amazing, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, there was nothing, there was, everything was, um, there was nothing going on in any of the theaters. Like they had, they were doing strike for one of the operas. And so we were going in 
and we went into every single space mm -hmm. and it's just so fascinating how like there's all this artwork it's not only is it like th the american people's you know theater art center but it's like also the world's because the you know nations have donated so much mm. i mean the marble <laughs> the the carrera marble that was donated by italy that's yep. the building yep. and um, I, it'll be it'll be nice to see when the reach is finally opened, which is you know basically they're putting like three theaters outside to have them be more accessible. Outdoor spaces. Um, they're building youth theater spaces in there. They're yeah. building studios in there. It's like really phenomenal. And a shout out to my tour guide there because she there was a moment where she was talking about how like you know this is since it's since it's also a government building. Um, and she's a federal employee. She was a volunteer. So shout out to all the volunteers that gave the tours and, you know, manned all the desks and for during that weekend. But she was mentioning to another uh, of the my tour, my tour compatriots, how during the shutdown, she couldn't go to work and mm -hmm. she couldn't go volunteer mm -hmm. because both places. So she like kind of yeah. she stayed home. And then the one guy, one guy, the guy she was talking to was like, oh, that must have been like a, you know, a nice vacation, huh? Nope. And, <laughs> and I was like, nope, mm -mm. nope, 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 nope. <laughs> No. And what's, no. what I love about the Kennedy Center is um, that it's a memorial yeah. building mm -hmm. uh, for a fallen president. And the building is not the memorial. They, are, they quite clearly tell you that yeah. the tribute to Kennedy is not this building. It is the art that happens on the stages. That, that was, that's yeah. the way that the country memorializes John F. Kennedy. Yeah. Because... He was such a champion of artists and artists at the center of our government. And that is why we have the Kennedy Center Honors at the end of every year. That's why they have free concerts every night yeah. at the Kennedy Center at 6 p.m. that you can like watch online on for free. You can see free concerts every single day of the week. Yeah. It's phenomenal. Like the Kennedy Center really honors arts, not just in government, but around the world, like you said. And that you know, I mean, not for nothing how it's the two the two most famous assassinated presidents, but mm -hmm. they also highlighted the fact that like Lincoln was also someone who loved going to the theater mm -hmm. and was very much a proponent of the arts as well. And that's how he liked to just, you know, unwind and it was his diversion. So mm -hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> if you're a president that likes the arts. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also love that like you and highlighting your DC trip right now too you just spoke of like three very different artistic experiences in mm -hmm. viewing visual art fine art like a memorial on the stage and then an entire building dedicated to memorializing arts from now until forever you know yeah which you know we forget how much art there is in our government and in our country that, yeah that our country was really built around artists and built with the help of artists and artists telling our stories and that is why yeah there's always so much to talk about so yeah. which you know to put and the last thing i mentioned is my my other my the final thing that i'll mention is the um the library of congress mm -hmm. and i just happened to i was like you know what i can make the this particular public tour of the library of congress i'm gonna go went and I had the best tour guide. She was this like retired woman. Shout out Shelly. Hey, and she was all like, you know, this is your library. Isn't this amazing? She Everything was, in DC is yours. Yeah, it is exactly. Of the people. It is for us. It is free of charge. We are the taxpayers. We have paid for these buildings. 
it belongs to us. So yes, Shelly, you're yeah, right. You are right. But like when you just, what you said about how like artists built this country, mm-hmm. like you walk around the Library of Congress and Shelly's whole thing was like, everything has meaning. Everything was meant to to highlight this particular message. Like this is all built for mm. this. And mm. you know, this is, it was just, yes. I'm in church right now. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Yes. Speaking of Congress. <laughs> Yes. Um, again, another banner segue for me here. Yes. We're going to um, kind of segue to our into some, the Netflix hour. <laughs> um, this might take a while. Netflix has been huge this month. And one of the things that we both saw that dropped on May 1st was Knock Down the House. Yeah. Starring AOC. Yes. Alessandria Ocasio-Cortez. Ocasio-Cortez. And three other Mm -hmm. female candidates who also ran for local government, for Congress, for Senate, were not as successful in their campaigns, but it was just such a beautiful tribute to the campaign process, to grassroots campaigning, to the idea that, like, something is wrong in my life and now I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. Because if it's wrong for me, it's wrong for other people. And here, yeah, absolutely. It was such a, mm, like, powerful empowering movie to watch i watched that on the plane ride home (laughs) you sure did and i was like i'm like as the woman next to me is watching the favorite and and i'm just kind of like i'm like you know shedding tears because you know where it was very emotional oh god you know it was when she tells her story at the end about how her father said like this is all for you this is everything belongs to you yep Yep, yep. Oh, man. But all of the other uh, candidates' stories as well, like the woman whose daughter, I believe... Uh, yes, Vilea uh, died because of like health insurance complications. Yeah, they, like she that. couldn't. Pre- she, she they took her to the emergency room, and because she she was denied entry because she mm-hmm. didn't have a, a health insurance. Yeah, like people people don't run just because they want to. People run because the system has failed them in some kind of way, mm-hmm. and they need to be a champion for other people so that it doesn't fail other people the way it failed them. And that was so powerful to see. And I thought it was just a beautifully produced, edited, cut movie. It was done really, really well. Do we know who put that together? Who directed Um, it? Yes. Uh, She she was the one who basically followed AOC most of the time. Like from the beginning, like from the time that her brother just threw her name into a hat. Yeah. With like was, a local grassroots organization. Yeah. To also see her like, you know, like behind the bar, like literally like, like a year, not like a year ago, she was behind a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the document, hold on. Hold on. I'm, I'm looking Pause it up while right Josephine now. reads things. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was it was just so like the Amy Swearingen, who was the girl from West Virginia, the woman mm-hmm. from West Virginia, and her and her whole thing, um, you know, it was Rachel Lears is the documentary thank who you. did it. Rachel thank Lears. You, thank you. Um yeah. and thank you, Rachel. Yeah, thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
AOC telling herself, to, giving herself like, they're going to tell me I don't matter, take up space, take up space. And it, it's really, a, it's a genuine lesson in, it's like, you know, wonder she won. You know what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you see kind of how that but all kind of happened. But also we forget like how close that race was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how she was up against an institution. She yeah. was up against a New York institution who wasn't even from New York. So the idea that. It wasn't even elected. Yeah. That she was just up against so much and she so could have easily lost. But also showing how articulate she had been since day one mm-hmm. in fighting back and being present at every single debate, um, in every single news interview. Message, being on message. Speaking on the street, like on social media. Like it was, it was so beautifully documented. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really, really great. Okay, so the next Netflix item that, that we want to cover... Um, I saw, and Josephine did not. I did not. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. It's a long long title. It's a mouthful. (laughs) Um, What is it about this this one? So, let's kind of circle back to my obsession with Law & Order SVU and true crime. Yes, yes. Yeah, specifically Detective Elliot Stabler. But... um, (laughs) Don't even scoff at that. Oh, my God. Christopher Maloney. What yes. up? Anyway. Um, so I've I've always kind of loved true crime. I definitely read all of the the Ted Bundy hoo-ha, the um, Anne Rules book, A Stranger Beside Me. Um, I've read all of it. I'm not afraid of reading the gross, mm-hmm. crappy shit about it. Um, and it was really fascinating to find out how fucked up he was. I obviously Ted Bundy was way before my time. He was in the seventies, and I wasn't born until the last two weeks of the seventies. And so, the um, like the the reign of terror that was happening, like was you know, I have no con- connection to it yeah, or yeah, no yeah. like pop culture reference to it. So reading about it objectively is like really interesting for me, right? seeing pictures of him, trying to understand how he got away with this shit and how charming he was and all that shit. Like, I didn't know. I didn't really have any frame of reference until I read that book. And then I started looking at pictures of Ted Bundy and all of that. And then I heard that Zac Efron was playing Ted Bundy in this movie that had yet to be picked up. And there was a picture that was released on the interwebs that showed him holding up his, like... His slate. His, his I've been arrested slate, yeah. yeah. And it was... I know that you know what I'm talking about. You I, know I've that seen graphic. the picture, yeah. yeah. It is insane. Everyone was like, holy shit, that's him playing Ted Bundy. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's uncanny. So I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for this movie to come out for, like, a very, very long time. Then it came out at Sundance, and Netflix finally picked it up. Um, so Netflix released it May 1st. You best believe on, like, May 1, I was, like, popcorn ready, sitting in my living room, eating that, <laughs> eating that movie up. Um, I thought it was very good. I thought it was very well done. And a lot of it was told from the perspective of this girlfriend that he had in Seattle who ultimately wound up being the one who gave his name to the cops. And so it's told through that lens. And 
Ooh, it's really creepy. There have been criticisms of it because people have talked about the fact that they just kind of, this movie glorifies how sexy he was. It doesn't at all kind of touch on the crimes that he committed. That he was in a murderer, that. yeah. Yeah, or how graphic or gruesome those were. But also, in 2019, we know the nature of his crimes. We know how graphic and gruesome they were. So this movie didn't really need to go into it. No, Instead. Not really. I felt like it was brilliant because it played on how smooth he was. And that proved its point. That's how he got away with everything because he was that smooth. And he was that silky and conniving and creepy that he was able to get away with that kind of crime. Um, So I, I loved it. I thought it was really, really great. I've heard other people have opinions. And those opinions do not matter to me. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That'll be the title of this episode. Those opinions do not matter to me. That'll be the title of my book. Uh, Your opinions do not matter to me. It'll be that or Lynn Manuel stop acting. No, <laughs> no. It wouldn't be that. Well, no, because that's Googleable. We don't. We exactly. Don't. No, not even that. I just feel like, yeah, the, I'm certain I don't care. <laughs> that might be the title of my book. Yes. Um,. Yeah. yeah. So talk to me about See You Yesterday. So See You Yesterday. You, you know, saw I did not. Sometimes, you know, Netflix, they're like, you might like this. And sometimes, uh, you know, more often than not, I'm like, yeah, I won't like this. But sometimes they clock me good. Yeah, what they, they get you with? They got me with See You Yesterday. So See You Yesterday is produced by Spike Lee. Okay. Um, so it's produced by 40 Acres and a Mule. It takes place in the Bronx present day. It's about these two um, two teenage prodigies uh, who are who go to the Brooklyn High School of Science or whatever. And they, they basically are doing this, like, for a school project, they've discovered time travel. <laughs> so they've, they have, like... You these... talked a little bit about this last month, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, so, but, like, I finally watched it this time. So, okay. So they, they've discovered time travel. And as one does, as one does. And so, you know, they go back in time. They're, you know, all hee hee ha ha as one does. But where where the conflict happens is that um, the girl, uh, her name's CJ, her brother, uh, Calvin, gets shot by the police. Um, And so there's a death. And now she's going to use time travel to try and prevent the death. You did talk about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but so, like your thoughts on it? It was great. Mm. Like I just loved. So is this a series or one movie? It's one movie. Got it. Okay. And it's I, I recommend it. The ending is I think the way it ends is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't spoil it because I think everyone should watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a great cameo by Michael J. Fox. <gasps> Love Alex P. Keaton. Yeah, so that's a really good one. And like, there's some, there's really great nods to this, because like, there's really great nods to like people in um, Octavia Butler, who is like the godmother of uh, the godmother of black uh, black science fiction. Mm. So you know, talking like putting it in a having it telling the story, which is a science fiction story, but like centering it around issues of race, police brutality, like having this particular message about it is re- it was really well done. And it was also just like it. It took place in present day Bronx, so they're like surrounded by all these Caribbean families, and you know that's just like the they get one of the kids that they have to get help from is like this like super awesome Puerto Rican kid, and you know it was just 
it was very representative, but it wasn't heavy handed in any way. Like how some Octavia Butler or Octavia Spencer, Octavia Butler. She's an author. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So she wrote kindred mm-hmm. and you know, all this other stuff, but Octavia Butler, it had like, there's a reference to her in the film. It's awesome. really great. And, but yeah, it's a, it's a good film and it, it just really makes you, it, 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 that's the thing is that like, I, I can only imagine, um, people who have been in those situations where they've lost loved ones to any sort of violence, um, any sort of violent act, thinking about what if I was able to go back in the time. The what if, yeah. And this deals with, with this deals with that, but it also just kind of talks about like the consequences about this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's really good. But plus it's also like a lot of like young kids running around the Bronx, mm-hmm. which, which is just really great. And, but yeah, I recommend it. Is it present day? Present day. Okay. It takes place in 2019. Okay. Um, so I recommend it. All right. All right, all right, all right. I think you'll like it. Okay. I'm going to share with you one that I do recommend and one that I don't. Okay. Okay. I do recommend Dead to Me. Okay. Um, starring Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini. I feel that this is Linda Cardellini making amends to all of us for Green Book. <laughs> that is that's a that's brilliant okay i do i was like does this <laughs> redeem her for green book i feel that it does so um linda cardellini i haven't forgotten but i will forgive so <laughs> we'll never let you forget i'm not gonna forgive you for green book but i will move forward with it and forgive you for being in dead to me um dead to me was awesome i enjoyed it there was a lot of hype online and then i heard a lot of people be like "Eh, is it living up to it is it not whatever i thought some of it was predictable but i thought a lot of it was very enjoyable christina applegate can do no wrong by me she's so dry and the just has like the best fuck you faces like all the time throughout the entire series. And, um, it's just, it's beautiful. So it's the idea is that these two women meet in a, uh, grief group Mm -hmm. and they've both lost husbands or loved ones. And, um, and so they meet and the idea is that they heal, you know, through their friendship or so we think. Oh. And that's it. And then like every episode, of course, there's like twists and turns and all of that. And some of it, as I said, very predictable. But a lot of it is like, oh, okay. All right. Mm, okay. Yeah. It was good. It was really good. Um, you know, it was a quick binge too. It's like six episodes or something like that. And they're all half six hour eight, episodes, something right? Something like that. I think. I th- yes. Okay. Okay. Maybe. I don't know. Okay. Quick, do a quick search on that. Um, while I'm pretty I talk sure about, they are, yeah. What's the thing that you didn't like? The thing that I, not that I didn't like, but I could definitely live without that I do not recommend spending two hours of your life on was Wine Country. Ah, uh, yeah. I heard that too. Starring the ladies of SNL, which sad because I, you want to cheer for them and you want to, you know, huzzah. And some of, there were obviously moments in that that were delightful and enjoyable and wonderful. But so much of it was just such like tacky crap and whatever. Yeah. But it got like so much press because of the ladies who wrote and created it and and are in it. Um, you would so think it'd be better to have... you think it would be like really strong, but yeah. you know... Not so much. Anyway. That's what I got to say there. Okay. 
Talk about what if. So <laughs> I have, I'm still kind of formulating my, my opinions. Also remember, didn't I just talk about Renee Zellweger last month or something? And I said, it was a couple months ago. Was it about Judy? Was it her Judy? Her Judy? No, not yet. We were talking about someone that I said, oh, maybe was it? Oh, when we were talking about Rent and mm-hmm. we were talking about the chick who plays Maureen. Uh-huh. Vanessa, no, Vanessa. Oh, Vanessa Hutchins. When we were talking about Vanessa Hutchins, I said out loud right here to our sevens of listeners Uh that I feel about her the way I feel about Renee Zellweger. (laughs) (laughs) In that I should hate her and I don't. (laughs) Well, okay. Because I think she makes smart career choices. Yes. So Renee Zellweger, if you look at her body of work, the breadth of her character work and the variety of roles that she has taken from Chicago to um, Bridget Jones to Bridget Jones to the one she won the Oscar for the country one with Nicole Kidman. Oh, Cold Mountain. Cold Mountain to Jerry, Jerry Maguire. Maguire. Like she has to, you know, run the gamut. Down with love with you and McGregor. Oh. <laughs> but also then that uh, why am I not thinking of words right now? She was also in like the crazy hippie movie with like, all right, all right, all right, that dude. Oh, yeah. In the day, uh, oh, Daisy Confused. Confused. Yeah, yeah. So like she has this like crazy, crazy career. And I feel like every time I see her on screen, my instinct is to not like her. Yeah. Is to not appreciate her work. And I always do. And therefore, I like Renee Zellweger. <laughs> But you shouldn't. You feel like you but shouldn't. But part of me is like, why do I want to not like you? But I do like you. And I kind of feel the same way about Vanessa Hutchins. That's true. Except yeah. she's not there yet. Anyway, talk about Renee. Talk about what if. So what if is like, again, it's one of those things where Netflix is like, you. we think you'll like this, fag. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, and, queen. Hey, queen. We think you'll like this. And they got me good. Yeah. Because so they I, also suggested it for me, too. I have not watched it yet. The thing I love is that I love like I love a good soapy like drama of like, you know, white people with money and the problems <laughs> and the problems contained within like that's that's basically what happens. So the, the plot of what if is that it centers around this married this young married couple. Um, he the man uh, played by Brody Jenner of like the late Glee flame, late Glee fame. Um, mm. He plays uh um, he plays Sean Donovan, who is a disgraced a foot, uh, basket, uh, baseball player. And his you just wa- went through like three sports I know, it was there. like basketball, <laughs> baseball, golf. Because um, it wasn't a glitter sport. It was not a glitter sport. None of them were glitter sports. Um, and his wife, played by Jane Levy, um, Lisa, she is working to get uh, investors into her biotech company, her new biotech company, and has failed at every turn. Cut to her... Meeting Renee Zellweger, who plays Anne Montgomery. Okay, Anne. The, um, you know, this very, like, stone-cold bitch, high-powered woman Mm -hmm. investor. Who can't open her eyes. Who can't open... No, and and if you thought... If you love a... Is she... her Is her eyes open moment? You're gonna have that all season. I mean, here's why I love Renee Zellweger. She has a fucking Oscar. Never once opened her eyes. (laughs) No, no. Love it. You had her at hello. Love it. Um, so basically, she and Anne agrees to 
makes her a proposition. She agrees to fund the her uh, her her biotech company to the tune of eighty million dollars um, in exchange for one night alone with her husband. Oh, it's an indecent proposal. So that's the thing is that you and they mention that it's like you. It's like the she mentions it like the plot of a um, the plot of a of um, a movie, like the plot of a bad nineties movie. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that you don't like what she does with him, which is not revealed until way later mm-hmm. is um, you, it's not what you think. Okay. So like the whole scene and that's happened. So it's like mind games. Exactly. That is indecent proposal. But like the, the episode one um, of it and then the episode one, like the dealing, it happens and then you're kind of dealing with will they, won't they, mm-hmm. what is going on? And there's all the other side characters in, in Lisa and Sean's life that are also having things that are happening too. Mm-hmm. Like, and then like she has a gay brother who like he's going through stuff and it's actually a really great depiction of a gay relationship nice. that is not toxic and not problematic, at Solid. least, you know, in my opinion. But it's also just fun and pulpy and just very, it's very camp, very high camp. Okay. And yeah, so it's a melodrama and there's a lot of like, you know, drinking of wine and, and, uh, mm. and uh, throwing of glasses and, <laughs> you know. I feel like I will get around to watching that yeah. after Judy comes out. And yeah. I'll, I'll feel like I'll want to see more of Renee Zellweger and I will watch it then probably that's what i'm predicting yeah it's it's like i love like i love the three adjectives that they use to describe when you're looking at netflix on your phone (laughs) and it's like this one was like steamy (laughs) it was like steamy (laughs) revenge lgbt lgbt and i was like what it was like netflix did you just pick me mine is like like, musicals (laughs) murder romance (laughs) I was like, basically Netflix <laughs> thinks I'm just a thirsty whore. Like, <laughs> it does. A thirsty, murdering whore. Mine knows that I like glitter Bright. tap shoes with a little bit of killing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I'll come for you yes. in your sleep. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> so Netflix told both of us that we like some Asian rom-coms. <laughs> Netflix was like, are you a friend of Asians? Netflix was like, do you like romantic comedy? Do you like a good pun and a play on words? Do you enjoy 90s Mariah Carey? Because we sure do. It's like, do you mean, did I get my life when the when the little guitar riff of the opening riff of Always Be My Baby comes on? God damn right I did, yes. Yeah. So, so this morning I watched it. I watched it last night, yeah. Um, because it came out on May 31st. Um, so this is a huge moment in representation, um, almost like of the caliber that crazy rich Asians was. Yeah. You know, do you want to talk a little bit about it? So, so always be my maybe is, uh, written by Ali Wong, written and star starring Ali Wong and Randall Park. Um, they do great. They're, they're also really great in it. Like I thought, I thought I was like, wow, we, we saw a lot of. Ali Wong that we probably would not have seen otherwise um, if we didn't get this opportunity. And I felt the same way about Randall Park. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, wow, they're, because, you know, I, as as someone who loves a good romantic comedy, mm-hmm. it gave you 
everything. It sure did. It was set in the Bay Area, like yep. all I, the best. Right away, I was like, "We love an Oakland movie." Yes. Okay, we love an hey. Oakland movie. <laughs> Any romantic comedy set in like the Bay Area is. is gonna be great. I want to watch you hoofing up and down hills. Yes. There it is. Yeah, um, you know, and it was just great because like they didn't hit you over the head with a uh, weird Asian of it mm-hmm. all, but like it did play into certain parts of it. So mm-hmm. like you. It, it spoke a lot to like Ali's parents being like really distant because they're working all they the work time. At the store, yeah. And working at the store all the time and then trying to make up for it there. The whole like, um, there's a great moment where the moment how, where how they prove that they love her was really great. Mm-hmm. I won't spoil it for anybody. Um, and then you just have like, you know, she's I love the a, moment when the two of them are eating dim sum and they're talking about how like the women who work there like are such bitches to them because neither of them speak Cantonese. And then he speaks Cantonese. And, he does, and, and he's and like, ah, I learned over time, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, but then, and then like that commentary about like, you know, you, the thing about it too, is that they're both, so they both came with their issues. Like, mm-hmm. but then they were just the not afraid to like call each other out on their issues. And then, you know, working through that, mm-hmm. um, we get like a lovely Daniel Day Kim moment. Yeah, a nice Keanu Reeves moment. We got a really, really fun Keanu Reeves. A fun Keanu moment. I also want to talk about Vanessa, the yes. chick who played Ali Wong's. Oh, assistant or assistant, like? Yeah. Oh yes, Michelle Buteau. Yes, I love Michelle love Buteau. Her. And I thought that she had like. She was my favorite character in this movie. Oh, she was She amazing. really stood out. It was great. We're going to talk about Michelle Buteau later this year. Oh, we are? Yes. When? We're going to talk about her because she's in the um, she's in the reboot of, or the revival... Tales of the City. No. no. She's in... I thought she was. First Wives Club with oh. Jill Scott, the TV show. Oh. Look at my face. You know what? Well, I I love Michelle Buteau. Like she, I am. I love Michelle Buteau. I don't love us remaking things. Remember when they made the Black Steel Magnolias with Felicia Rashad? <laughs> yeah, but that was like a that was a remake on Lifetime. It was so bad. It was yeah. It was so bad. It yeah. was word for word the same script. It was so bad. Yeah. If they do that with First Wives Club, well, it's a it's a series. So they're doing to Paramount Network is doing to. Um, the that mo- to First Wife Club movie what uh, they did with Heather's is that they're turning into a series. So this is going to be a series and it's three black women, First Wives, and she plays, I think she's the Bette Midler one. She's the one with the children. Well, well I'm going to watch it and I'll let you know. Like- Look at my face. <laughs> Head shake. It's Michelle Buteau and Jill Scott. Come on. Fierce queens. Yes. Love them. But mm, you don't own no. me. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> we'll see what happens mm. but yeah she was really great and this- I'm, I'm telling you right now i'm already making noises about that no but she is also going to be in tales of the city i believe Ooh. i believe netflix's tales of the city next month yeah don't quote me on that unless you want to quickly look it up but i think she is i'm pretty sure well you know i, I will is. just i do love a. um i do love a uh I think she is. I do love a Michelle Buteau. So I, I, I follow her on everything. I saw her live when she was in San Diego a couple years ago mm-hmm. during her stand up. And yeah, I. Yeah, I'm, she's great. Yeah. The whole time I was watching her, I was like, what do I know her from? What do I already know her from? Um, she, um, she was on like Best Week Ever. She's been in a couple things. 
I know she's been in things. I know I've seen her in things. I don't know what from. And I was trying to like IMDb her and figure it out. And I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, but I'm skeptical of First Wives. Anyway. Burr, burr, burr. Um, always Be My Maybe is cute. It's a predictable, romantic, situational comedy. Check it out if you are feeling your feelings and you want to have a rainy day under a blanket. Yeah, it's very much it's very much a rom-com, but it's just mm-hmm. like it's it, a cute story. Yeah, it's it's not on the it's n- not on the same scale as like a crazy rich Asians, mm-hmm. but it's also just like, yeah, I know those people cuz I like I know those people cuz those are people that are in my life mm-hmm. and they I feel like they told a specific story as well. Mm-hmm. So it was something relatable, but it was also super specific mm-hmm. to that particular experience. Ali Wong gave a great interview too about um, not seeing Asian people in sex scenes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so part of the the impetus for writing this story was the idea that like we get to see Asian people having awkward sex too. Yeah, you know, and that that is never a story that is told in Asian culture ever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, why shouldn't it be? And why can't we see that? And then um, I thought it was great. Uh, she was in Russian Doll. Yes, she uh, sorry, Michelle Buteau. Michelle Buteau. She is definitely in Tales of the City. Yeah, see, I knew it. Yeah, she's been in Broad City. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's been in some Key mm-hmm. and Peels. Yeah, she's mm-hmm. been around. Okay. Yes. 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 <laughs> Got it. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about Fleabag. Ah, Fleabag. Fleabag. Um, <sighs> so I, I've I, people have told me that I should I would like this show. So tell me. I feel like I never heard of it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, in one day, I had four people tell me I had to see it. Oh, wow. Okay. And I think that it recently season two came out. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of these people were telling me, do you watch Fleabag? Have you seen Fleabag? You have to watch Fleabag. Um, and it is British. Very. It is on Amazon Prime. There are two seasons of it. I watched both seasons in a day because um, my Memorial Day weekend was not in D.C. It was right here on this couch. <laughs> and I binged all the shit. Um, and it was great and dark and real and funny and sad and kind of heartbreaking and weird. And um, there are so many feelings. And season two gets into this like sexual fantasy with a Catholic priest and it gets hot and creepy and it makes you question all of these things. And um, I I can't really speak much more on it other than I know that like it made me think things. It made me feel feelings for a while after I saw it. Check it out. It's a quick watch. Okay. It's great. Joss Whedon posted, he tweeted about it and he said, so here's my problem with Fleabag. I just finished watching it, and now how do I ever create anything (laughs) that is of quality, that is good, because what, but, what, and, like, something to that effect that, like, 
it's rectin, you know, just because oh, yeah. it's so beautifully done. Well, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is just like this Amazing. powerhouse. Uh, and Olivia Coleman is in it also. She is bananas great in this. Um, the woman who plays her sister is in it also. Um, or the woman who plays her sister obviously is in it, but um, she's really, really great also. And like the relationship between sisters is wonderful. And So it started out as so a, because um, I, I had to research a little bit because I was telling you that mm-hmm. um, it was on Broadway. Mm-hmm. So it started out as a one woman show mm-hmm. at Edinburgh. Edinburgh. Got the it. Fringe. Mm-hmm. So then from there it moved to do a little short stint on Broadway. Got it. Got it. Well, now it's on Amazon, and it's really beautifully done. Yeah. And you should watch it. Okay. Watch it. That's your homework this month. I'm giving you Ooh, homework. Ooh, my homework is Fleabag. It's it's not often that I am the one who assigns the homework. Okay, here. that's fair enough. Which right. is great because I I um I think that will also because like I wanna I wanna watch um Killing Eve this this uh. This summer, mm-hmm. and Phoebe Waller Bridge is attached to Killing Eve. Got so it. I, it was good. Cool. All right. Cool. Flea bag. Okay, flea bag. So, shall, we're going to end today on. Um, well, first of all, we're going to talk about the fact that um, uh, Ava Duvernay. Duvernay's series, When They See Us, about the Central Park Five, came out on May 31st. And that is a Netflix series that neither of us have watched yet, so we're going to push that into our June episode. Yeah, it deserves more time. It yeah. deserves a lot of time, and so we're definitely going to talk about that because I have been following that production like I followed Extremely Wicked for a very long time, so I'm really, really excited to like dedicate the time to watching that and seeing it. Um, and so we're going to talk about that next month. But today, we wanted to end our May episode on Sir Elton John. Yes. Sir Elton Hercules John. Yes. Here we and are. And we decided, you know what? God damn it. We're going to fit it into May. We're going to watch Rocket Man. Yeah. So while Josephine was in our nation's capital, I texted him and I said, hey... Do we want to go to the Rich People's Movie Theater and see Rocket Man on June 1st and then record our episode right after? To which he emphatically replied, Yes. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so we did that. We did that. And, yes. And, and how did you feel about the story of Reginald Dwight? I loved it um save for the drunk woman sitting next to me who sang along oh god yeah um i'm surprised she walked out (laughs) i'm like you know what there were moments where i knew she was singing along but the movie was like loud enough that it outsung her and i was like you're lucky bitch anyway (laughs) anyway um I thought it was beautiful, and here's what really surprised me. I didn't realize that it was going to be um, a musical, so to speak, that characters would um, kind of like leave speech and break into song, that that would be used as a vehicle to tell his life story, um, which I thought was really intelligently done. Um, I thought it was going to be more of a movie with music, like a, a Star is Born. Like a Star is Born, like a Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm-hmm. Um, and instead, this felt very much like a Moulin Rouge, like an Across the Universe yeah. to me, mm-hmm. in a really beautiful, artistic kind of 
drug-induced haze kind of way. It really took you through his journey and the costumes. Oh, my God. The, God damn The it. recreations of the costumes were great. And if you notice, because the costume designer for the movie was on Project Runway last week oh. or a couple weeks ago, um, and they're not his actual costumes. They are like nods to actual things. his original costumes. Yeah. So they are like themed around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're very close to, but they're inspired by, you know. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Anyway, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. It was great. Um, I I definitely enjoyed, you know, I enjoyed a big, I enjoy a big splashy number um, to, and I just love how, like, you know, Taron Edgerton was doing work. And you know what? He, he really did tell that story. And he told mm-hmm. that story very well. I get... Definite Oscar noms will be there for him and for costume design, mm-hmm. for sure. Jamie Bell. So, Jamie Bell, let's talk about you, Billy Elliot. Oh, yes. my God, playing Bernie Taupin. Yes, oh my God. come through. Um, he is a delight in everything he does. I love Jamie Bell. Um, yeah, there's definitely going to be recognitions for this film. Yeah, I'm, and yeah, I, I agree. I feel like Jamie Bell, oh my God, Richard Madden as mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, she was so, I was like, wow, I hate you. He's so good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and of course, I mean, we have to also remember Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah. And then also did Shia LaBeouf have a cameo in there in the beginning as well? He did at like the, he did. There was a. Mo- I was like, that's Shia LaBeouf. It is. Um, Where? The very beginning, he was like. Was he one of the drunks? Was he one no, of the people in the. No, he was one of the people like auditioning or like running the bar or something. Or oh. Like when he was younger. Oh, okay. Like when when he was doing Saturday Nights Are Right for fri- Fighting, that. Maybe. I don't know. It's okay. all clear to me now. Okay. Well, now, anyway, I have to look, now I have to look that up. Look it up and make sure that I'm not full of shit right now because well, I don't want to see you like a dick. I also feel like uh, this is probably another uh, another show that I will, another movie that I will probably see again because it was just, mm-hmm. it, was a, it was a fun time. Yeah. I will say shot for shot, the credits are amazing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Because the credits show you Taryn in scene- and then they freeze frame it and pull up images of Elton John in the same costume, same scene. It's phenomenal. I mean, historically accurate, down to the image of the little boy Elton at the piano, cut to the picture of real life Elton Reggie at the piano. Yeah. That was an insane side by side. Really, really exciting to see. Yeah. So stick around for credits for sure after that. Yeah. It was it was also nice because he was um, um, I didn't oh I didn't find anything on IMDb no about Shia LaBeouf damn it um, but it could be uncredited maybe um, I I thought that it was just like um, a, a good depiction of like this the where his where the roots of his addiction came yeah from and then working through that and eventually to the end um, 
a shout out to <laughs> shout out to Bruno Tagnoli, who is actually in the original music video for I'm Still Standing. Yep. And when they, you know, he, he's in this movie um, in his like, you know, little leather cod piece. We know how you feel about some Bruno. Oh, I love me some Bruno. We have to have some Bruno. I um, mean, the end, that video recreation, putting Taryn into that video was yeah. beautifully done. Yeah. So well made. And he has a great voice. He does. Like, who knew? Yeah. Who knew Taryn Edgerton could pull that out? Yeah. There's been a, a friend of mine did some kind of work on the press junket of this, of this movie. And there's um, a connection between the two of them that like Elton John, like loaned his original costume pieces to Taryn Taryn Edgerton? I, I keep saying Edgerton, yeah. Eggleton? Egerton, something like that. Edgerton, Edger, Eggleton. Tar- Let's just call him Taryn. Taryn. Taryn, listen, you do good work, boo. You keep it up. That Welsh but, dude. Yeah, that guy. But um, in terms of like piano, voice, all of it, he worked very closely with Elton John. And Elton John was a p- executive producer on the film too. Yeah. So he's very in charge of telling his own life story here. Yeah. Which I find fascinating. <laughs> Well, it, it definitely felt that way at the end with the with the credits, with the little like yeah, where it was very much with you a know, shot for shot with yeah. a sh- with a shot for shot, but also like the you know the white font. This is what he's been doing now, and mm-hmm. like I was like, yeah, but that's what Again, happens. The when, more you know, exactly. That's what yeah. happens when you get to tell your own story, though. Yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tell it however you so please. Exactly. That's what Nicole Fossey did. Yes. There you go. <laughs> Um, yeah, but did you enjoy it overall though? Oh yeah, absolutely. I was just like, it was just really great, um, how they worked in the musical numbers and the parts where the kids were singing, like it was high energy in the, in the right places. That's really what made it feel like an ensemble musical. It made it feel like, yeah, I, I'm going to go ahead and predict that Rocket Man might make its way to a Broadway musical. Mm. Yeah, probably. Well, it was just so... The thing I liked about it was that you... I, The thing what I wanted uh, to hear Bohemian Rhapsody was, because I still haven't seen it, but like the thing I wanted Bohemian Rhapsody to be was like a rocket man, where mm-hmm. it was just like, let's take this larger-than-life figure and tell his story and, you know, have the honesty in the moments of his story. But then, but then also like, let's just kind of turn it up a little bit. And like, you know, if you have to do a scene change, why can't he just like fall into a pool and encounter his inner child there? Mm -hmm. Like there, there's ways to use the conventions of storytelling and have this phantasmagorical like thing happening. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I was, I was very pleased with it and I hope to see it at next year's Academy Awards. I believe we will. I mean, I feel like it definitely lived up to the hype that it's a big big summer release it's gonna do well so it was lovely yeah absolutely lots of old old people elton fans up in those theaters yeah. tons as noted by drunk girl next to me yeah i was old like drunk girl who was like on her third vodka crayon oh yeah she yeah. wanted the, the, the <laughs> she's like give me the movie theater size yeah she wanted the big vodka crayon and the guy was like uh we don't do that he's like we have one size it's like vodka. but i'll but i'll bring you as <laughs> But I'll bring you as many as you want. <laughs> she was there. She get lit in herself. Yes, I, I I was like waiting for someone to leave when the sex scene happened between him and uh, John Reed. I mm. was I'm always waiting when there's like a storied sex scene, but I was just like hot gay sex. Yeah, it was great. Uh, pl- plus, like Richard Madden is a fox. 
He is a fox. Taron Edgerton, yes, um, you know, but Richard Madden is a fox. Mm. And he had his like real Scottish accent mm-hmm. too, which was great. There were definite moments in the movie where I was like, wait, is that him? Is that, is it? There are a lot of like double takes where at first glance, you don't think that Taron looks like him. But then in sequence, like there was so yeah. much where I was like, whoa, whoa. And the makeup was so good it too. Really and is. Yeah. yeah. It was a very, very close resemblance. It looked really, really great. Yeah. It was very well done. Yeah. I was quite pleased. Yes. Yes. Well, we're wrapping up our Monster May of an episode. Have we been talking for 17 hours? Oh, I think we have. I think I think RuPaul's Drag Race is... We've gone through another cycle. Exactly. We have cycle There's four, a new queen. 49 queens, yes. Um, we're real quick. Coming up in June, we have another huge month for you. It's Pride um, Month. It's Pride. Um, we have the Tonys. We're going to drop a special Tonys episode on you. Woo! We're going to cover season two of Big Little Lies. Season two of Pose. Out. Pose comes out. Tales of the City comes out. There's a lot happening. It is gay joy. Gay joy. And we're going to cover When They See Us. Yes. And, you know, something poignant. <laughs> poignant work. As well as Pose moving into the era of Madonna's Vogue. Yes. Madonna, culturally appropriating since 1990. <laughs> <laughs> and that is camp. <laughs> that is camp. Anyway, um, it's been a hell of a month, yo. Yeah. Um, we've experienced art from the big screen to the small screen to the national stages. To the small stages. The history to the... galleries. Yeah. I mean, oof, are we tired? Girl, <laughs> we're, ha- we're almost halfway there. Too. I need a nap. Shit. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to come at you with some more mid-month episodes and and keep this thing moving. So Yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. Keep it going, kids. Enjoy your time of the month. Bye. Bye.